listening to Colin Bradley Artcast with Colin Bradley and Stephen Bradley. Hello and welcome to Colin Bradley Artcast. I'm Stephen Bradley. And I'm Colin Bradley. Oh, we're back. <laughs> Isn't it nice, Steve? <laughs> Very familiar we're, territory. We're back, everyone. We're sort of springing it on you as well uh, by doing it live on YouTube. But if you're listening on iTunes, then welcome back. We're glad to have you back listening. I know that we've had a lot of requests for our podcast to come back. We have. And we felt a bit guilty about it, haven't we? have, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you've made us feel guilty, folks. I know, I know. That's not the only reason why we're bringing it back, obviously. Um, we're going to bring it back on a bi-weekly basis rather than the weekly basis that we used to do, um, just because time. And that's that's the reason why we stopped it, because we didn't have enough time to, do, to record right. and edit and publish on a weekly basis. But now we've got this fantastic live setup that we're able to do with YouTube and we've trialled with the feedback show. We thought, yeah, we can bring this back just on a bi-weekly basis. And it's good to be back, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, yes. I've missed it too. I know the uh, listeners have missed it, but we have, or I have. Yeah. It, it, it brightened my week up too. Yeah. It's nice to talk to everyone, even though it's yeah. sort of a one-way conversation. <laughs> it's, nice to, it's nice to communicate with everyone. And yeah. we do it on the feedback show anyway, but it's nice to talk a bit more relaxed without... Mm. I think too, Steve, we've got a a couple of questions I know we're going to be dealing with, but now people know we're back, I'm sure that they will come up with a lot of ideas that we can uh, use and, uh, you know, put forward and um, talk about. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's time now, uh, obviously we're live, so we can actually take questions on the show so if anyone can tune in live um then they can post comments um into the show and um when we're live and we can actually answer them live so mm. it's going to be a nice sort of as people if people are able to tune in live it's going to be nice to get that interaction sort of less one way than it was before how are they going to know about it though steve i mean we're they didn't well, know about this or don't know about this. So no. <laughs> how are they going to? How are they going to? How are you going to arrange it? Yeah. Well, the, because with time and things, we can't unfortunately say when it's going to be a set time each week because um, that's just going to be like impossible to to guess. But what we can do is give you a bit more notice than we did this one. So I can post a message out on the Facebook page. Um, it will go out on Twitter anyway when we're live. And if people are subscribed to our YouTube channel, then um, they can get a notification as soon as we're live so they can jump on. So oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to obviously be a bit tricky for people to tune in every week because they're just <laughs> they're not going to know exactly when. Um, but obviously it will always be available as a replay and on YouTube and it will always be available on our iTunes um, feed. So if people just like, because people liked the weekly, um, you know, now it's bi-weekly, but they liked the weekly download of their from their iTunes. Um, mm, mm. So they'll still get that. Um, but if you're able to tune in when we go live, then come join us. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. So oh, we've got a few people, a few people tuning in that have managed to, to catch us last minute. Uh, so welcome. 
Um, should we talk about what we've been doing the last? I think that's a great six idea. Months. Put them in the picture, Steve. Yeah, because we did a Christmas show, didn't we? Um, that's right. Christmas special because we ended it in October and then came back for Christmas, which was fun, and we had a lot to talk about then. So, what have you been up to in the last six months? Gosh, wow. Well, I've been pretty busy, as you can imagine, as you know, because of all the projects I'm uh, building up for you. Uh, My ideas really were, I think I mentioned it on the Christmas show, that uh, what I was going to do is to add more colour to the pictures. And I've certainly done that. People would have already seen that, the, the Indian chief and the portrait that I did and the the new landscape uh, that we put out recently of Ainsford. Well, there's more of those. There's there's quite a few more coming up that's similar line, but I did push the boat out even further then with not just colour but impressionistic uh, pictures too. So I've kind of been working hard at finding new ways to use not only the pencil but the color shapers too we've now got quite a few now we've got five all together and i'm using them much more and the schnauzer that's just come out on uh, the member site and the clip on youtube uh with that one i use the i think i don't know whether it was the first one i did that I started using the colour shaper more like a paintbrush. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, and I found that not just really therapeutic, because it's, it's like taking me back to my watercolour days when I was painting, but it gives uh, an added dimension to the pencils. You couldn't do without the pencil, but now I've got to say you can't really do without the colour shaper. Not if you want to produce the kind of work that I've been doing. So that's really, over the last six months, I would say that's the biggest single thing that I've found not only really enjoyable to work with, uh, but very, very useful as an additional tool mm. to bring more uh, more um, depth I think that's what it was doing. You know, if everybody knows when you use a, a normal coloured pencil, you, you, it kind of goes a bit flat. You can't really get that dimension that you can with paint, particularly oil paint. If you're if looking, if we're comparing this with an oil painting, you get a tremendous depth with oil because you can build it up for one thing, colour on colour on colour. And you can also put on dark with oil where it's difficult with the pastel pencil unless you know what you're doing but with the color shaper you're kind of revisiting that kind of idea i'd hope i'm not getting too involved in this but this is how it's striking me now as i'm doing more and more work so over the last year since i've really been using the color shapers big time i would say that it's changed the face of the pastel pencil Mm. would hate to do without them now yeah i noticed on that that miniature schnauzer picture that there was um one of the well it was loads of clips but the, the one clip i noticed on was you turned it round 
and you could see all the colour on that side and you flicked it back to use that side on the yes. picture. So it's not like you were blending, wiping it off, blending, wiping off. You're like blending it and then just looking at the colour on the shaper and then carry, carrying on using that back in on the picture. That's right. Really interesting. Yeah. Well, also, you see, when you're doing that, you'll find, and the more you see me using this system, you realise that I work from beginning to end with very, very little backtracking. What you're doing is you're building the picture up slowly uh, with a very deliberate action, but, but you're not backtracking, you're having to alter something. I mean, occasionally I do, I know, but most of the time it's building to uh, a means to an end kind of thing. What I'm doing is building it up so that when you see the finished picture, you think, my goodness me, how do you, how on earth do you get to that state? When you first start using the pencil, especially when you put the base colours on, you kind of think how, if you were looking at the reference picture, for instance, and you were, you were using these base colours, how on earth do you end up with that finished result? And it's not until you see the process that will not only surprise you and amaze you, but you'll understand how it happens. And this is the great thing with the pastel pencil. The, the techniques are very doable, even with an amateur. You know, they can, they can do that, and we've seen it. The other thing that I've found really useful, too, is using the darker colors particularly – into the onto the lighter colors using uh, the darker colors as a palette, and I did it with the Schnauzer, and mm. I've done it since then. In other words, if I've got some dark color and I want to put it that dark color into the light rather than putting the dark colors on the lighter colors, I can then use and dip in to that dark color with the either the ivory or the uh, gray color shaper and use it and touch it in and then touch a little bit of colour into the... Yeah, that's really interesting. Is It is like a paintbrush, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Except your palette is there already for you. And I'm working on that more, and people over the next, um, well, six months will see that in more and more and more and more. And see? I love it. I absolutely love it. It, it kind of... It, I loved watercolour when I did it but I'm loving this much more than I did mm. the watercolour because I've got much more control. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, is that so, so now you're obviously you've been able to do that. You're doing that intentionally now within your pictures to be like, okay, there's some colour here that I can put into here, but very subtly because the colour shaper doesn't, you don't have the pressure that you would have if you were applying it with a pencil. That's right. Absolutely. It's very smooth. And that's the other thing about the uh, pastel paper. I know a lot of, uh, we've had a lot of emails saying they can't get the tooth. They can't cover the tooth up. And uh, we covered those in the feedback show. But this is where, when you put the darker colors onto your base colors, you tend to see those lines, those tooth marks. And it is sometimes hard to do. Now, the colour shaper changed all that. Mm. It allowed you then to lose that tooth uh, effect, but still cr- 
still have the tooth as the creative part of that. Mm. Do you see what I mean? When you, I love the tooth because it gives me uh, a grip, and a, a, a three-dimensional look anyway. And when you've got uh, the added addition of being able to work the color shaper in the way that we do by blending those colors into it, then you've got the ultimate. When mm. I say the ultimate, that's probably wrong to say that because I'm learning every picture I do, I'm learning something new. And yeah. if you think of the thousands that I've done and I learn something new every time, go forward another two or three years, what are we going to be producing then? Yeah. I don't think there's a limit. And I was thinking this morning that if somebody asks me, what subject is taboo with the pastel pencil? What subject can't you do? Nothing. There isn't anything you can't do with a pastel pencil. Yeah. What, what a statement to make. You can't, you can't make that statement with anything else. It's, no. Anything. It's absolutely uh, – and I'm always amazed that it hasn't taken off more than it actually has. When I first started 30 years ago with the pastel pencil, I thought – that in 20 years, this is going to be the, the thing. It's going to be taking over the art world. And it hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it, it definitely hasn't. Because we don't get met so many people now say to, oh, pastel pencil, what's that then? Um, mainly because I don't do the shows now that I used to do, because I used to meet the public. And say, what were you using? Mm. Is that a crayon? Yeah, a lot of people now know what pastel pencils are, so I suppose we've achieved that. They do, yeah, and, and we've got the internet now, so there's there's a lot yeah. of people able to discover them for themselves on the internet. Just want to go back to you saying about the tooth of the paper with the color shaper and pushing the color into the tooth. Mm. It's a really, I really want to highlight that as a really good tip is to fill the tooth using the color shaper, mm. and when you're building up colors is easier to cover all of the tooth because without crushing the paper because the colour shaper is softer than a pencil. That's right. So you can fill the tooth without crushing the paper. Yeah. Another innovation that people haven't seen yet, Steve, is, and they will do eventually, is when, you know, I've said to you in the past that it's difficult when you've got a landscape, for instance, you're doing a sky and you want to do a dark tree, say, over the top of that sky and leave some light coming through, which you do want to do that. Uh, and I've always said in the past, I've always said, this is a difficult, if I was going to do one thing that might be a problem, that would be it. In when put, when you put foliage on top of a light sky, because the color underneath is usually white or ivory or gray or mixtures of all of them. And those colors don't dry out. Therefore, when you put the greens or the ochres, whatever color you're going to put on top of them, then those colors then are affected by the color underneath. So what you've done, and, and typical of that is my um, the, my uh, clip on YouTube, which is, which is far outstripping every, every other one, 100 and something thousand now. We've got um, views on that with the tree uh, detail. I, I leave the pastel paper, you know, or I erase the um, the colour. Well, there is a, a new way that I've recently found of doing that. Rather than when you put the sky on, for instance, 
you go around the tree area without actually putting the pastel onto the, the tree. But what you can do then is you can rub, instead of uh, using your pencil to put the color shaper, you can rub the sky area around it and rub it across the tree. Now, you don't get as, severe, as, as a stronger color, in other words, the white or the gray, whatever. You, you won't be as strong as it was uh, in the sky that hadn't had any uh, color on it. But it's enough to give you um, a, a, the appearance behind the tree, if you get what I mean. When you're putting the color on and the foliage on, you can still see behind. Mm. And it has changed some of the ways that I've been producing trees. All this is coming up. So you'll mm. be seeing all these folks, these um, different techniques. But this is just one thing, see you. you see, where you know people say, you, you've very kindly taken on board, which I'm sure you're going to talk about later, uh, most of the work now. So my job now is solely to find all of these new ideas, which is great because I love doing it anyway. And this is one of them. This is one of those new ideas that have come from uh, practice and working and being able to concentrate on uh, my job. So what you're able to do, just going back to the trees and that that light um, pastel, is that you're putting a very, very sort of light layer of pastel um, that's going to be sitting behind all the darker colours. But because you're using your sort of finger or you're just pushing the colour mm. across the paper, it's it's creating a very, very light layer, nothing that's going to affect as much the colours going on top of it. Yes, and the other bonus you've got to that, which I'm sure people appreciate, is you're not crushing the paper. Yes, just that by dragging area. your finger across. That's right. So there's no. So when you go to put the stronger colours on, the paper is virtually pristine. Yeah, so it hasn't got any. You haven't had to rub with the mm. uh, the the colours uh, or the pencil colours in. So it's a real good bonus. And anywhere you can try it, folks. You know, yeah. shows you how to do it. Now you can have a crack at it. But you do have to be a little bit mindful there that you don't leave a trace element like a halo around the tree. That's the risk involved in this. You see what I mean? Because you're not going to put the colour the, of the pencil directly onto that area. You're just going to use it. But with a little practice, with a little... Uh, you would be able to do that. So it's a great idea. So there's two techniques there, really, you spoke about there. Two things that that you've sort of approached differently recently. And that's a way of um, getting the pastel on the paper without crushing it. That's right. To give you the different effects. It's both those color shape, using the color shapers to push the color in and also dragging your finger very lightly across to, to bring a very thin layer of pastel. Yes. Behind the tree. In, in the old days, Steve, before the, the advent of the color shaper, if I was doing a black section of an animal say i would start with the mid gray then i would use uh, say a Payne's gray then i would use another color this could be 169 it could be brown it could be blue depending on the tone we're wanting then after that i would then put the black on now this is without color shaping color shapers right and then the only way i could get that really to work very well is to put back the mid-gray which was the the softer of the colors used back on top of it 
okay? And that would, that would have rubbed that color into the pastel paper. And I did this for many, many, many years. Now, every application of pencil crushes the paper just a tiny bit more hmm. with me. Now, what we do now is we put the gray on, and I tell people to, without crushing the paper, cover as much as you can. Then we put another color on, and again, it would be, say, it would be Payne's gray. Then we rub it with the pastel, uh, the color shaper. That pushes that color into the paper. That means the subsequent colors that go on top of it are fresher. Yeah. See what I mean? So you haven't crushed the paper. And I do mention this many, many times, and you'll hear me mention it a lot more times because it's quite important. So you get, a, again, another technique which uh, the color shaper has really changed the way we think. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah, really interesting. I'm finding it really interesting, and I'm sure everyone listening is is going to be looking forward to seeing these new techniques applied more and more over the, the, the coming pitches. And uh, we've got quite a lot that are ready to, to come out. And uh, we've been publishing a lot more recently, uh, almost once a week, uh, just because there's so many that you're doing. Um, I'm churning them out. Yeah, and uh, and so so there's a lot more variety that I think we've ever done on the on the membership site that we've ever had. Um, so, what about me, Steve? What about you? Yeah, the last six months have been crazy <laughs> for me. It has, hasn't it? Um, I decided this year after doing Panto at Christmas to take a sort of step back from the acting just for this year because there was a lot of things going on with work and business and our business that I wanted to focus on. And and don't get me wrong, the acting work is fantastic and I'll always love it and it'll always be there for me to do, um, fingers crossed. But um, it's a long time to sort of be taken away from work sometimes you know it could be up to seven weeks of rehearsals and shows and things like that and even though I can work alongside it it puts just a lot of pressure and a bit of stress really on the other things so um, I thought I'll take a year um, to get everything sorted because with our certainly our business um, there's been a lot of changes um, with the company growing and um, me taking the director's role um, sort of ahead of the company now managing all the inquiries and uh, dealing with the orders and uh, the accounts and everything like that so that it completely gives you the freedom to to do the artwork and the filming mm. which i think has worked out really well i mean i i love i love the business i love what we do and uh technically i've been helping you since i was 15 <laughs> so that's right um i've been involved in uh, in what you do for a long time so it's it's really lovely to to be technically the director and be the head of the company it's fantastic um and uh and that's probably why we've been able to push out a lot more projects is because you've had uh, the freedom of uh, not having to deal with all the customer inquiries for being able to uh, just think about your artwork which is which is great really and it's worked out for the best hasn't it oh absolutely uh, it, it's it was perfect and your knowledge of computers uh, is vast and i'm sure people out there realize just how good you are having produced the fantastic website we have and all of the other things and we've got some lots and lots of exciting things to come in the next six months or so that people are going to 
but it's going to blow their mind. And it couldn't have been done at all without you, and it couldn't have been done without your expertise. So, and and uh, I wanted to express it. I've expressed it to you so many times before, but I'm sure others would uh, agree with me on that. The response rate, if you've got a query, folks, the response rate is fantastic. Steve's there on the, on the ball. And you don't get many firms that can do that if we if we do have a little hiccup somewhere like we did have a little while ago in the old site yeah. went, you won't folks you'll never never be able to uh, appreciate just what went through steve's and my mind at that time when we suddenly didn't have a site anymore i know oh my goodness but again it's down to you. You backed it up. You you did all you ro- the, the right things, and you sorted it all out, which was absolutely amazing. It could have been a disaster for us as well as all the listeners out there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It was a uh, very very stressful. Well, I say it was stressful. It was stressful for a short moment, but I'm I'm usually quite cool at keeping my calm in those. <laughs> Just as well you are, because I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> in those situations you just crack on and and fortunately within a you know a couple of days we'd had um the site back and on a new domain colinbradleyart.com which i've wanted to do for a, a long time to move us to a dot com so that was a a good opportune moment and uh oh always a silver lining always a silver lining that's right those things. well we, you've always looked at that way we brought you up all the children that way there's always a reason for these things happening and that was one mm. uh, it's, it's come back better than ever yeah exactly and there's oh, there's so many things behind the scenes that i've been able to implement um that has hopefully improved the the website and the speed of the site and and all sorts of things so yeah well, there's been a I'll lot also of mention i'll also mention Stephen, that, uh, that anybody that's in the hollow crown recently was on bbc2 in the uk and it's probably going to be worldwide i imagine in time would have seen you now they might <laughs> well. not realize that they seen you <laughs> But they did. Yeah. <laughs> you were in about eight or nine different shots as a soldier. And yeah. One of my favorite uh, shots was when uh, you were charging uh, in, you were on, uh, what's the chap's name? Uh, what's Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, that's him. That's yeah. Him. Yeah. yeah. Playing Richard's side, weren't you? Yeah. Uh, and uh, you were one of his soldiers. And <laughs> my goodness, the one, we've got a, I've got a, a, a picture which I'm definitely going to frame at some time oh. with you, you know, charging with your sword right at the camera with a yeah. poor chap alongside you with an arrow stuck in his chest. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I was lucky. I didn't get any arrows you in the didn't, chest. Did you didn't, know, I like to think that I survived. <laughs> I like Mr. Cumberbatch, yeah. Uh, it was great, though. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed seeing But even we had to keep stopping it all. The, you know, it was know. amazing to go Thinking through. But we found them all. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I put a selection of photos up on Facebook, on my, on my personal Facebook account, and just said, you know, spot the steam well, because uh, it's just there's so many people <laughs> in the shot it's just to find out which one's me <laughs> still you had a good time and it's just uh, but it, at least you can say people saw you on television but they didn't realize it was yeah flick, flick, flick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah that was fun that was a long time ago people listening to the podcast will remember yeah i mentioned that it was a good 18 months to two years ago that we filmed that and it's right. only just come out but oh my goodness yeah yeah, that was that was so much fun. I, I long days. I mean, behind the scenes, I was up at four a.m. 
um traveling to set and back at 8 p.m and and it just goes to show that i have so much appreciation for film actors and and screen tv actors because they are long hard days yeah yeah and um yeah it's it was hard work but yeah a lot of fun a lot of fun nothing like that coming up unfortunately if you're out there wanting to see more flickers of steve <laughs> on the screen there isn't any i haven't shot any more i think it's um, been there done that job isn't it i think uh, yeah you do one of those because you're an extra really you're not you're not in the you know you haven't got any dialogue or anything other than lots of screaming and um yeah i i had a lot of fun it was good but it was one of those one-off experiences i think Maybe next time I'll be uh, in Benedict Cumberbatch's role. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Um, anyway, I've got a couple of questions that we have had come through. So I want to just talk about those um, on the podcast as we've got the time. Uh, the first one comes from Ricky. Ricky says, hi, Colin. When I look back at my first pictures, I can see so much wrong with them and I feel like altering and redoing them. Uh, is this just peculiar to me or do all artists do this? I've been told to leave them alone. What do you think? Thank you, Ricky. Yes, that's a good, very good question. And it's come up many, many times in my career as an art tutor. I remember one time one of my class came up to me and she'd framed this picture and it'd been on a wall for quite some time. I think it was a couple of years it had been on a wall. And she said to me, you know, I've been looking at that picture and I really don't like the way I did this, that and the other. What do you think, Colin? Do you think I, I could or you could deframe it for me and I could work on it again? I said, don't do that. Don't do that. What you did, what you've done in the past you and you were pleased with, leave it at that because – if you start fiddling around, you change what you, you originally did. And it's nice to look back on things. I still do. I've still got some of my original pictures. You're not going to ever see them, folks, but I've got them. And gosh, the naivety when I look at them. But I wouldn't touch them. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I could, couldn't I? I could um, bring them right up to date, but I don't want to. Because at that particular time, I was really pleased with what I'd done. And it gives you also a yardstick. It's a way of putting things alongside. You could put an old picture alongside a new one and say, gosh, look how I've improved. So my advice to Ricky is don't touch them at all. No, I wouldn't do them. Mm. I can understand the temptation of it, but I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I hope that helps because... It's, it's something I felt strongly about for quite some time. Mm. No, it is good advice. I do agree with you entirely. I can see the temptation, but yeah, it would it would be a bad idea. I think I think you'd regret it. Yes, yes, absolutely. You would do. You would regret that. You say, "Oh, I wonder what I was like." You know, mm. well, that's what you were like. Use them as markers to show how far you've come. Absolutely. Yeah, I used to say when my uh, when I was teaching, I used to say, you know, the first when you've got your first picture, keep it because ten pictures down the line, you can look back on that picture and to c- compare it, and then you could look and think, well, I wonder what my twentieth picture will be like, and then do the same thing, and then my fiftieth picture, then my hundredth picture, then my thousandth picture. You know, you can go on like that, but all the while you've got one picture or a, a, a stream of pictures that take you that you had when you started out that way you give yourself the uh, progression 
that you've done and where you've made those um, leaps. And I used to say that, and a lot of people, um, I did it myself and uh, still do. Very important to do that because you you know how far you've come. Mm. But always look to the next picture as being some new challenge, something you're going to be uh, learn a little bit more from and Mm. make uh, a slightly better job of. That's one of the things Pastel Pencil does. Mm. Every picture you do is a slight improvement Mm. because you're learning all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Thanks, Ricky, for the question. The next one comes from... uh, Uyi, I think that's how you say it. U-Y-I, Uyi, Samuel from YouTube. Hello, how can these shapers used be used for all colours? Now, I think she's talking about the colour shapers. Yes. How can these shapers be used for all colours? We've kind of sort of spoke about colour shapers anyway. And perhaps mm, I think I think what, what uh, it is meant is, you know, when you see me using it on a black animal, how can you then use that same colour shaper on a... A white animal. Uh, well, you just simply take. They do say on the instructions you can wash these off. I don't do that, and people know that because if they watch me, they they see me rub it in my finger, and you can take the the colour off. I haven't washed one of those since I started, Steve. Mm. Well, it's rubber, isn't it? It's rubber. It is. It's a it's a lovely, lovely material. Fantastic, and you you tend to when you take it off with your finger. I think also, you know, you tend to put a little bit of oil from your finger back into the, uh, the colour shaper, mm. making it even smoother. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. That's it's true. what I found. So th- the answer is to clean them off with your fingers, between finger and thumb, until yeah. you lose all of the colour, and then you put it onto your next colour. So that's yeah. how I transfer one to another to another. Yeah. Good. Good. Oh, thanks, Uyi, for that question. All right, I think we'll leave it there for this episode of the podcast, our welcome back episode. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another um, another show. So um, look out, subscribe to the YouTube channel, look out on Facebook, um, send us your questions via email um, or through the website. All the details are on there. Also comment on this video if you're watching the replay. Um, if you have any questions, we'll pick them all up and put them into the next show that's so, an advantage uh, really isn't it steve uh, that people can comment and we can pick up the comments yeah yeah indeed. That, the youtube yeah mm. all right um well, there's some banging going on next door now so i'm gonna oh, that's <laughs> nice. show here. um <laughs> and uh that's it for this week thanks everyone for tuning in i'm stephen bradley and i'm colin bradley enjoy, enjoy your week, week. <laughs> you've been listening to colin bradley artcast Learn to draw and paint online at your own pace in your own home. For free courses and more information, visit colinbradleyart.co.uk. 